Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 36th episode of the Tuesday Night Podcast, a bo- a podcast about board gaming, tabletop games, card games, micro games, games you can play with your friends or your worst enemies. Speaking of my worst enemy, I have Alan here. Hey, you son of a bitch. It's good to be here, SVJ. We're off to a great start already. I'm really excited. We have a special guest with us tonight. We don't have Sean with us, but we have Stephen Avery, who does something in the board game industry. I'm the new Sean McCoy. I'm the new improved Sean McCoy. The real McCoy. That's right. The the real McCoy. 150 pounds of pure sexy. You can't beat that. Uh, Stephen. I'm going to say, you're a really tall dude. There's no way you weigh 150 pounds. How tall are you, Stephen? The real Sean probably weighs about 150 pounds. I'm trying to be the real Sean McCoy. I'm I'm 240. (laughs) (laughs) 240 of so-so sex appeal. Well, this is so funny because we just had in the last episode, we were reading emails and we read one about you about you wanting to come on and heckle Patrick. So I figured, oh, yeah, we should totally get Steven on. Oh, I love heckling Patrick. And now Sean's the one sucking it, SBJ, because now we have someone cool on while you're here. That's true. That's true. All right. The listeners know your weight. They know your name. But Steven, who are you for our Tuesday night knaves? Uh, Yeah, you did it. (laughs) Cringed when I said that. I'm so happy. Uh, I, you know, I, occasional board game designer, and uh, I like to uh, mix it up at the conventions. And uh, I'm a great uh, rouser of rabble. So those are just a few of my traits. So vague. All right, yes. <laughs> let, let me crush on you a little bit, and then maybe you'll pick it up from there, sir. So Stephen Avery is one of the most affable people that you'll meet. He's this likable guy with a really loud personality. And usually by day two, maybe even night one of a convention, you lose your voice. But you really just inject yourself and extend the hand of friendship to everyone around you. And the reason you lose your voice is because you're pretty much doing what you're doing with us right now but with every single person at the convention. So for some (laughs) weird reason, everybody knows you, and I can't think of anyone that dislikes you. You're incredible, but you do more than design some games. Can we talk? We can totally edit this out if you want, but should we talk about Rubber Banditos? Oh, yeah. Actually, I can talk about Rubber Banditos because it is finally, uh, it's almost going to production. They're finishing up the art, uh, I just got uh, got the chance to look at the rule book, the layout, uh, just recently. And um, who's they? Who picked up rubber? Oh, Band- sorry, it's uh, cool me or not. Cool me or not picked up uh, nice. rubber Banditos, and they picked up another party game. I think you had a chance to play the party game at the time. It was a a flea circus themed game. I totally uh, remember. Yeah, it yeah, was dice so, based, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. You roll dice as quickly as possible, trying to match uh, icons on the card. And but you have to do something stupid every time you roll the dice. So it might be get up and sit down or it might be yell waha or something. You know, it's just weird little things. It's just a silly every single game. one of your games reeks of your personality because you have to do something really physically active. Let's go back a little bit and talk about rubber banditos. What was the other name for it originally that Sean and I said, no, screw that. It's rubber banditos because that's amazing. Oh. 
It was Dark Gun Desperados. Yeah, screw that. Yeah, Rubber not, Band not Neo good is at all. So much better. Yeah. Uh, because <laughs> at the time, the, 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 now you can't even get a Dark Gun now. The Dark Guns are, are you know, they get nerfed. But when I first made it, I was using those spring-loaded Dark Guns. And, and now they're as hard to find as a lawn dart. You can't find them. Let's paint this picture appropriately for our listeners because Rubber Banditos, one of the problems that publishers saw and the reason they wouldn't publish this game is it uses rubber band guns. So you actually set up this Western town and you control characters and you shoot the opponent's characters with your rubber band guns, which is a huge safety hazard for a lot of small time publishers. But Cool Mini or not is totally picking it up. So that's awesome. Are they using the full rubber band guns? They are. Uh, they've reworked the uh, the board a little bit so that now instead of being one, before it was kind of like a, a silhouette, but on four sides where you would face across from each other. So they reworked the board so that now it's three separate boards with lots of little slots in them. So you can change out the scenery and you can set the boards in different configurations. Uh, and, you know, we've developed uh, different scenarios for it. So now it's it's a little bit safer, probably not much safer, but um, uh, you're not at least you're not sitting shooting across from each other. And that was a big issue is, you know, you could pop somebody in the eye with a rubber band. It was too tempting not to try. Well, actually, <laughs> I mean, every single game I've probably played that game at least 100 times in every single game. It doesn't within three seconds, someone else is shooting somebody with a rubber band gun. Forget the game. So it's just an excuse to shoot each other. <laughs> but it's a lot of fun. You, you know, it, it is a lot of fun for sure. It, it almost sounds like flick them up, except you're not using your fingers. You're using your guns. Is, am I am I far off on that? Like mindset? Uh, sort of. Yes. It's like sort of like flick them up. Although flick them up is more a little bit more like a miniatures game. Um, but yeah, this one, it's, um, very tactical where you place the little guys, because the way the silhouette is the way the, the, the terrain's made, it creates little holes and pockets. So you can't ever quite hide completely, but you know, you can make it so that you're very, very difficult to hit. I have a funny story about that flick em up actually. Um, when I first made the dark gun desperados now named rubber banditos, I was showing it to Zev. And he said, yeah, I don't think this is going to get published. What if you changed it to little flicking discs? I was like, no, I really want the rubber band guns. I can't, I can't give up the, the discs. And then here's my behold, contribution to that story is when I saw flick em up, I had already played rubber banditos and I thought this ain't no rubber banditos. I like, <laughs> I like to have more dimensions. I like going up and down, not just straight in a line. So, yeah. Well, you do get to shoot the gun. That's the important part, right? So Totally. Totally. It's just a, it's an excuse to shoot the gun a lot, but it's, a, it's, you know, there's a game to it, but it's a lot, a lot. It's a very, very dexterity based game where you're <laughs> aiming and how fast you can pull. Cause a lot of, sometimes you'll have, uh, showdowns, yeah, showdowns. <laughs> Mexican standoffs and yeah, showdowns. And so that's a big part of it too. Uh, yeah. So those are two games that are coming out. Tadad's going to be out at Gen Con this year. And then I'm guessing. Did, did that, I miss that? But what kind of game is that? Oh, I'm sorry. I just kind of breezed through the whole thing. Um, so <laughs> I'm pretty bad at this, Steven. I'm going to tell you that you're I'm, like, I got this I'm game. Horrible. It does a thing moving on. I got this game at Gen Con, but yeah, yeah you know, don't worry about it. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm not. I'm not good about promoting that. You know, Ta Da is the name of the flea circus game where it's a oh, dice game. Oh, okay, okay, so that got was it. the one, other one he was talking about. He never gave us the title. It's Ta yeah. I'm sorry, sorry. Yeah, I might have to edit the whole thing. But anyways, Ta Da is coming out at Gen Con. It's a party game. You have these stunts that you're trying to match the dice with, and the deal is. Every time you roll the dice, you have to put all the dice back. You get to lock one of them and put all the dice back in the cup. And then you roll it again. So it's a race. Everybody's rolling as quickly as possible. But the rub is that you're doing something silly every time, whether it's balancing the dice on the top of the cup before you roll them, or maybe you can only use your pinkies, or maybe you have to hold your hand over your eye and you know, arg like a pirate every single time you lock a die. Some of the stunts are a little bit harder. If you complete a hard stunt, then you can uh, make other people do additional things. So you might be hopping on one leg and yelling arg while you're rolling the dice trying to lock them. So it's, it's I mean, it is super silly. And it, it plays like 10, 15 minutes. So I have yet oh. to try it with drinks. I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's so. the other thing. Steven usually has some alcohol in his hands at these conventions. Did did you say what publisher was Tada? Was that also? Yeah, Kumini or not? Yep, they're uh, oh, they're doing both. Yep, they've they've really this last year they've really pushed the horizons on on what they're publishing. I mean, everybody knows them for their miniature games, but they are doing party games and they're doing uh, not too many euros, maybe one or two small ones. Although they had. Smog come out not too long ago, uh, but they they really I think they had like thirty projects that they're releasing over the course of the year. Wow, I remember like the the shocking thing last year was was Cool Mini or Not did the Grizzled, and everyone was like, "This isn't a miniature game. Like, what are you guys doing?" Yeah, Blast I think they're me. trying to exactly. Well, that's the thing is like you're that's a that's a tough thing because their whole customer base is all about miniature games, right? So they want to still satisfy that customer base, but they they're trying to grab some of the other some of the other gamers that are interested in other games, you know, and build their 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 presence. Hey, can so I change they're... the subject really quick? I sure. sorry to just derail or whatever. I have a question that I don't really know about you. What is your exact involvement with the Dice Tower? Because when I first met you, someone and I don't remember who, it was like, oh yeah, Stephen Avery, he's a Dice Tower guy. Like, oh, meaning I thought you were on the team. With I, I Tom sort Vassal. of am, uh, but I'm sort of not. I'm kind of like the black sheep. So <laughs> it's, my, my antics sometimes make uh, Tom a little nervous, <laughs> but, um, but we get along really well. And uh, I guess a long time ago, he reached out to me. We, we were, we were friends. Cause you know, as when you go to these conventions, you end up, seeing everybody and playing games and hanging out with everybody. It's summer camp for adults. Let's just be realistic. Yeah. You see the same people like, hey, it's been a good year. Missed you, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So he reached out to me after a couple of cons and said, hey, I have this idea for a game. I'd like to make it, but I don't have time. You know, here's my concept. And so, um, you know, that's that was kind of the birth of nothing personal, where originally his, his concept was kind of like infighting among uh, a court of nobles, uh, but eventually that evolved into you know the gangster theme, which I I liked so much better. My but group anyways, of playtesters playtested the crap out of that. At that point, wasn't it called Capo? Yeah, yeah, that was my original name for his Capo, and uh, 
Tom didn't like that name very much at all because he's like, nobody knows what Capo means. At the time, Chris Kirkman was working with Game Salute doing some uh, graphic design, and uh, we all were spitballing names. I think he might be the one that came up with the with the title Nothing Personal. He also did the logo on the front. The The title is his work. Now, here's so anyways, the weird thing. I may have turned some listeners against you with just that question because uh, Dice Tower does have a schism in there where a lot of people love Dice Tower, and you can't shake a stick at what they do. Other people, not huge fans of Dice Tower. And now you just mentioned Game Salute. A lot of people, fans of Game Salute. A lot of people, not fans of Game Salute. And you just dropped those two bombs. Boop, boop, boop. So. <laughs> well, it is what it is. You know, I mean, that's just history, right? And I, I mean, I personally, they did right by me, but I, I also know people they have not done right by. And so it's, it's, it's a sticky situation. You know, eventually, I think they're trying really hard to, to get back on the straight and narrow. I know that Dan Yarrington has stepped away from the, from game salute. He's now the, was it board game tycoon or something like that? That's his I new, have no idea. I didn't realize yeah. that. I'm friends yeah, with he's... Michael Fox, and he's now the Game Salute media. I don't know what the title is, but he writes the updates for people and says, like, hey, don't hate us so much. And we've had him on this show. Yeah. And Michael Fox is a great person. And then, in fact, so is Dan May and so is Cody. They've got some great people working there. But I think for a long time, Game Salute didn't follow through on its commitments. And a lot of people got burnt because of it. And so, you know, there's still a lot of hard feelings about that. Dan, I think, has stepped away from the company, and now it's uh, uh, Dan May is, is, I think, is in charge. Maybe it's Cody. I'm not sure. But um, I do know that that they are taking a lot less projects and that they are really making sure that they see them through, you know, and not not trying to juggle so many balls up in the air. I think that's really what, what hurt them. Because, you know, I mean, for being from a publisher, getting even one game published is a monumental task. There's always little details that you have to take care of. And I'm not excusing them. Uh, I'm totally with you. Yeah. There's so many obstacles when you're first starting out. I mean, I can't really complain because it took two freaking years for Two Rooms and a Boom to come out officially. So pff, who am I to say anything, really? Yeah, but by the same token, you shouldn't take on that much work if you can't handle it. Right. So, you know, I mean, there's both sides to things. I'm, I, I, I don't involve myself with the politics sides of that kind of stuff. And I'm not a big Kickstarter, so I, I don't typically get burnt. But if I was, I would be really upset when something went sideways on me. Right. Cause you're putting the money up front. Right. So you, you expect, yeah. you know, preferential treatment. Speaking of Kickstarter, are, is Cool Mini or not putting your two games on Kickstarter or is that straight? Straight publishing. No, they they straight publishing the 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 bulk of those games, and I think they are saving Kickstarter for their really big releases, right? The ones that that have the big miniatures and you know the whole yeah the whole nine the ones that are actually really, risky business because if they invest all that money in the miniatures and they lose out, if they know the audience isn't there, so that's why they would use Kickstarter. I'm assuming, but. Anything you make, I'm going to buy, man. You could put a turd in the box, say, by Steve, Stephen Avery, and pff, I'm there, man. <laughs> Just because Thanks, I man. support you. And that's you something that awesome. Tom really should do. Tom should just embrace you as much as possible, no matter how off the character 
that he's trying to portray on Dice Tower. I don't know. I'm not sure if you heard any of the controversy with Dice Tower and his latest play marathon, whatever, but a lot of people were upset at one of his crew members for no, giving. What happened? Oh, well, well, it's gossip or whatever, but it's all over YouTube. If you watch it, uh, one of the gents gave Stephen Bonacore of Stronghold Games crap because Stephen Bonacore was teaching his game Dark Moon. I'm so dumb. I couldn't remember it. And it's literally sitting right next to me. Steve Bonacore was having a hard time remembering some of the rules. And one of the guys was giving him a hell of a hard time about it. Like, how do you not even know the rules of your game? I mean, and Steve Bonacore said, hey, I make a lot of games. He says, yeah, I own a lot of games and I know how to play all of those. And people were just like, bullshit. I mean, like, obviously, okay, you teach it. Then. <laughs> yeah, on the dice tower, of course, no one said bullshit because they have that very strict language thing, which we obviously don't. But a lot of the commenters were really just pissed off on YouTube. But yeah, that was the controversy. Not a huge one, but yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, that's the thing about the board game community. It's sometimes like a bunch of little hens. We talked about this off off mic earlier, but they uh, the community can get pretty wound up over stuff. And a lot of times it's it's a lot of hoopla over not much, you know? So Yeah, well, the funny I, thing is it, I thought that video was pretty representative of a lot of board game players because there are some board game players that have short – amounts of patience so ah, anyway <laughs> yeah i i i have more questions for for steven but before we do that just because you know we, we try to limit ourselves here uh alan wants to talk about kubla khan real quick uh and i i don't know if you can speak for sean of how he went to bgg con but uh i know yeah, that I'll, BG... I'll pretend to be sean <laughs> oh yeah sean. were you at bgg con spring no, but I'll pretend that I was. <laughs> uh, here's, we, yeah, uh, I'll be really quick. Kublai Khan, gorgeous. So we have a system that we're trying to do where if it's a convention we've never been to, we try to find out the buzz around it as much as possible. And apparently Kublai Khan is the biggest specifically board gaming convention on the West Coast. So I went just as an attendee. Where was it? And What's that? Where was it specifically? Oh, it's in San Francisco. Okay. Yeah, it's in San Francisco. And I went just as an attendee, and uh, it was a gorgeous area. And I think it really equates, actually, to BGG Con. Not necessarily the amount of people, but the atmosphere, because it's definitely just big, dedicated rooms of open gaming. But one of the reasons I went was I heard it's really big into Werewolf, and I thought, oh, where there's werewolf, there's probably rooms for room for two rooms and a boom. So I'll go there, dude. Let me tell you, I went into the werewolf room. No joke. It's the size of my kitchen and I do not live in a big house. So I was it was just enough room for like 15 chairs in a circle. So like, like I thought this person. was you're the werewolf. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I thought this was a big werewolf convention and I'm friends with the, the guy who made the convention. His daughter is Amrit. She's a big werewolf player. I thought I said, I thought this was a big werewolf concert. No, I don't know how, why you thought that whoops, but it is really big into tabletop games. So all over the place, there's just all these tabletop games. So I played a whole bunch of world championship Russian roulette and we got backers for that. It was cool. Sean, I was ask you, how do they feel about guns and sticking them in your mouth? 
Uh, well, we don't stick them in our mouths. <laughs> we put them against our skulls typically, but I'm not sure if that makes a difference. I guess it is a little bit darker if you're sticking your fingers in your mouth. But <laughs> the funny thing is with World Championship Russian Roulette, I would say it's only one out of 50 players that say, hey, what the hell, man? What's what's with the, the gun use? Because you got cash and guns where you're actually pointing foam guns and here you're using your hand. Yeah, that's a good point because I've, I've, I've showed cash and guns to so many people and like no one's ever batted an eye about like it being grim or dark but i don't i don't know why why there's that mindset that world champ maybe i'm just not showing the right people i guess i'm sure there are people that would get offended from cash and guns I think yeah we but- need to go darker it's not dark enough <laughs> <laughs> i think this is the big difference as weird as it sounds in cash and guns you're aiming your gun at other people in World Championship Russian Roulette, you're aiming it at yourself. So that taps into the dark type of suicidal feeling. So a lot of people have been touched by suicide. We're cashing guns, especially because it has that Munchkin art, the same artist that did Munchkin to the art for cashing guns. So maybe the art plays it off. But we have Weberson Santiago doing our art, and he's like the Geiger for board games. So, yeah, it's it's pretty dark stuff, but no one said anything to answer your question. Hey, Sean, how is BGG Con Spring? Oh, it's awesome, dude. They love me there. <laughs> Perfect. That's great. I told All them right. 150 pounds of sex appeal. They love me. You can't go they, wrong they with that. They would not stop playing two rooms in a boom. I got tired of autographing boxes, honestly. My hands started to cramp up. Man, here's the sad thing. I'm going to predict that Sean only played one or zero games of anything of ours that's my prediction not to bash sean he doesn't listen to the show anyways but that's true that's I'm true predicting, i'm predicting he went saw some people he knew hung out with them said oh, i'm supposed to be doing this but oh well <laughs> that does sound like him but no no <laughs> i was i was much more dedicated to my to my uh, business i was demoing the whole time oh man so. yeah we got to get you in our pocket BGG Spring is amazing. Uh, well, let's let's cut table talk out of the list just because we're we're so far into the show, and let's let's focus on some our topic of the episode. Excuse me, Sam. Do you have the time? But of course, it be topic time. Which is uh, what is a micro game, and that is a pretty open ended question. But I guess the some people consider micro games to be. You know, like uh, a couple cards. Some people consider it to be one card. Some everyone has like a different operational definition, as they say in the science biz. I liked how you finished. It. That was that was good. That was good. I wouldn't have been able to put it that that well. You like those buzzwords, yeah? I love buzzwords. Well, as, soon as, you, as soon as you define it, somebody's gonna break <laughs> that definition. But <laughs> but in my mind, it's twenty cards or less, right? Anything that's going to be a really small pack like that. The first micro game I think of is Coinage. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, predating that, which started the trend, I think of Love Letter as the de facto micro game that started the craze. Because after Love Letter, everyone's going to be coming out with micro games, games that were small. But Coinage, totally micro game, because what is it? One card, and you have to bring coins out of your pocket. And that's why you it know never who works did for coin me. Age. Do buttons count? <laughs> What's that? 
Do buttons count? I don't think so. No, because part of the coins of lint. No, <laughs> it has to be coins because the size of the coins matter. Because you can only put a smaller coin on top of a larger coin, if I remember correctly. Have you played it, SBJ? I, I own it. I have never played it. I, this is because you don't have I, any coins. I love in the this digital age. I, I love the concept of micro games, but I I have never found a situation where I'm like, let's play this. Because if people are over at my house, I'm like, let's play this, which is bigger and sitting on my shelf. Let's like. Well, see, you just hit the nail on the head. That's my thing about micro games is that. In theory, they're a neat idea. In practice, nobody ever plays them. And I, I mean, I'm, I, we go to cons all the time. How often do you see someone whip out a micro game and play it at the table? Well, that's the problem, sir. Your research selection is totally biased <laughs> because I, you're looking at conventions. When you really okay. see micro games is when you're outside of the gaming convention, when you're not really surrounded by gamers, you can pull something out and people are like, oh, geez, what is this? A game? You're like, yeah, but it's real little and it only takes like two minutes to learn. Like, all right, let's see what you have. Like for those boring lulls, it like lines at an amusement park or real quiet, awkward dinners with someone or a group of friends or whatever. And some of my favorite games are actually micro games. Like I'm a huge love letter fan. And this is a little bit of masturbatory words I'm about to say, but here are some of my other favorite. I really love Fiverwolf, Dr. Boom, and Duel is Killer. And I feel like you those... just named all your own games. Yeah, that's that's why it's so <laughs> masturbatory. So it's it's one of those things. It's like, yeah, Sean made Duel. Have you played Duel, Steven? I have not played Duel. I have not played Duel either. What? Here's the cool thing. We're giving it away for free at Origins. We're giving away promo copies. So if people come to our booth at Origins with your coupon for your coupon book, you get a free copy of Duel. It's so simple. You just have everyone has nine cards and you randomly have to discard one at the beginning of the game. And then when someone plays a card, the next player has to play a card of a lower rank. So if you play a seven, I can play six, five, four, three, two, one or zero, whatever. And each of the cards have abilities that happen. So we all have the same hand of cards. It's so simple. It's stupid. But at the same time, it's like the de facto definition of elegance. And I think that's a, a micro game because each player just has nine cards. It's sweet with two players because then that's 18 cards. But it kind of breaks your definition, Stephen, because if you have four players, which it plays really well with, that's... Nine times four is 36 cards. So that's over 20 cards. So I should have said per player, right? Uh, <laughs> that in there. Yeah. But some people define micro games as the size of the box. Like if it fits in a small box, like tiny epic kingdoms, some people say that's a micro game. I can make a micro game. That's just one giant wooden meeple that you can barely carry. It's going to be huge. And you just, you like toss it at other people. It's a dexterity game. <laughs> <laughs> So I, yeah, I consider Love Letter a micro game, but and I and I take Love Letter almost everywhere with me because it just I have like three copies of Love Letter and it fits in my bag. But I think there's established credibility credibility with Love Letter where it's a l little complex, but it's also easy to teach, and there's also some depth to it. Where I'm trying to think of a a micro game where it was just like smaller and simpler and not as engaging and a lot of the times i'm teaching love letter i want it to be a really good first impression and that's why i use love letter well here's the we'll have to have another episode all about elegance because that is a term 
that is also contentious, which is bullshit because there is an operational definition for elegance. And elegance means it is simple, but has depth to it. And the difference between simplicity and depth is this. Simplicity means you have very few decisions to make. You're not doing a whole bunch of mathematical computations in your head that takes a long time. You shouldn't have analysis paralysis if a game's simple. And if you do have analysis paralysis, come on. But depth is those few decisions you have to make have a lot of impact to the game. So they're really important, heavy decisions to make. And that's Love Letter to a T because in Love Letter, you draw a card, so you have two cards in your hand, and you choose one card to play. That's it. It doesn't get any simpler than, do I choose card one or card two? But man, some people look at those cards and start sweating bullets. Which one do I play? <laughs> like, I can just see it now. Your eyes bugging out of your head. Cards, sweat pouring down. Do I play the soldier? <laughs> or do I do the, you know I don't even know the original names of the characters because I played so many of the other versions they have like Batman and Munchkin and Adventure Time is my favorite but anyway they have you, a whole bunch of versions do of you that. consider Werewolf a micro game because Werewolf could be just like 15 cards you know what I don't because I've never thought of that but I guess if you played it as a card game it would fall into that definition but i don't think it's simple enough to be considered a micro game because tiny epic kingdoms i definitely don't think is a micro game sure it fits in a small box ish small but like it fits in only those big cargo short pockets so to say it's a game that fits in your pocket that's a little mm, mischievous to say but it has some serious components to it a whole bunch of cubes a whole bunch of decisions it's a 4x game so it's it's pretty it's heavy man uh, the micro games that most interest me are kind of like what you're saying with Duel. It's the kind of game that you can play where you're waiting in line. You don't need a table. You just have a couple cards. You know, yeah. I, there's been a couple games that are, are like that, and I don't know how successful they've been. But if I was going to play one, that's the kind of micro game I'd want to play. Something that I can just, I'm playing in line. You know, there's four or five of us, or, you know, we're at a pub someplace and you're sitting at one of those teeny tiny bistro tables. And you've already got your tables already filled with food and stuff. So there's no room to play. So but you still want to do something silly and fun. That's that's the kind of micro game that interests me. Not anything that you have to really set up and, and take up a lot of space with. SBJ. Yes. Let's let's put the challenge to the test. If we were to come up with an operational definition for a micro game after talking about it, what do you think a micro game is? What's the definition? Or at least yours. Mm. I would almost have to say that it would have to be easy to throw into a bag. I would have to say that the rules would have to fit on almost like a playing card, where you could just give somebody the playing card and go, here are the rules. You can read it in like a minute and you can understand. The entire game. I really like uh, that idea. From, from a publisher's perspective, though, micro games in general, with the exception of tiny, tiny epic kingdoms, are not big money makers, right? I mean, because you have to sell a tremendous amount to make any profit on it. I right. Mean, sure. Sure. The the overhead is very little. You'd have to. I mean, it has to be like a love letter where 
everybody's buying it. Because other than that, it's kind of a losing proposition, wouldn't you say? Yeah, well, I mean, Love Letter was profitable. You know what? Right, because everybody bought it. But, yeah. <laughs> you know. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking at my Kickstarter of micro games I backed, and I haven't played any of these, but I own them. And I'm not saying that these are bad games. I'm just saying I, I haven't played them. But I see Dungeon But Roll. you're probably representative of the population, though. I mean, there's something there. Yeah, maybe. Dungeon Roll, A Coin Age, This Town Ain't Big Enough for the Two of Us, and Province. I have I own and have played all of those except a Province, which I haven't even heard of. And I would argue This Town Ain't Big Enough for the Two to Four of Us is the actual title. Oh, okay. Because it expands, unless that's a different version, unless This Town Ain't Big Enough for the Two of Us, because that's kind of funny, Two to Four of Us. But anyway, I would argue that one isn't a micro game. It does fit in an envelope or envelope, depending on where you're from. But <laughs> it's, it's if I remember correctly, it's a heavier type game. It's not light enough. It wouldn't fit your operational definition of the rules being on a single card. Yeah. But I think you're totally right, Stephen. It, it's tough for a publisher to sell. But yeah, so it has to be good. Good. In order like, for really it to good. sell. Yeah. Well, you yeah. have, uh, Alan, you have Go Duck Go. I can't remember the name. Is it Duck, Is Duck, Duck, Duck Go? Or... Go? I know. If you're talking about the game that Jer Honeycutt made, I'm talking about the game game you showed me after a game of Two Rooms and a Boom, where it was like a duck pair of ducks, pair of ducks. Pair of yeah, ducks. so that's a micro game. Yeah, yeah. Except the rules, there's no way I think that they would fit on a single playing card because. It gets, yeah, it probably is. It's a wallet game, as we call it. And a wallet game has a concrete definition that fits in your wallet. Done. (laughs) A pair of ducks is a game that we gave away at conventions where it's reverse hit and roll. It's Indian poker. Everyone knows everyone else's role, but you don't know your own. And people have to talk to you a specific way based upon your role. For instance, if you are the devil then people have to lie to you. So you ask them a question, and if they lie, you think, oh, I'm the devil. However, you have to do what everyone else's character has in place. So if you're next to, if you're talking to the devil and the ninja sitting right next to them, you have to answer silently to the ninja. So you have to lie silently if you see the devil and the ninja. Why am I teaching this game? But yeah, is it a micro game? <laughs> debatable i don't know because i'm not sure if it would fit your definition i mean I, I, I played it like two or three times and you explaining it i'm just like i don't remember that rule that seems really complicated like uh explain yeah. it to me again but i would almost in a in a situation so a, a micro game i feel like the situation is what steven said earlier like you play it at dinner you play it when you're waiting in line and oh, i'm almost never in a situation long enough where i'm like hey let's bring out a game like that but the game you described which is a wallet game is like a good opportunity to bring that out because like I've brought in games like coup to dinner and yeah, you can play it because coup is small. Everyone has two cards. The amount of cards is pretty thin, but it's still but like aunt Nancy. Who's a pig and a slob will destroy all your components. Cause right. she does not know how to keep the food in her head or on her plate. Or like you're waiting for the food to come and all of a sudden the food comes and you're like, I guess we're cleaning this up or like, we're done here whereas a pair of ducks no one like that's not taking up space and so it's right back in your wallet yeah so to me that seems like a better scenario to have happen so i guess this all comes full circle to my original argument is like 
why would I play a micro game when I'm always in a situation where it's like, let's play a real game. <laughs> I think we should just go to the next level and make completely concept games. There's no, no components whatsoever. Yeah, that way you could make no profit on it whatsoever as a publisher. <laughs> Dude, we already give those away for free. If people sign up for our Newsday Night newsletter, we give away a free game every issue. And some of them are print and play. Like we gave away Two Rooms and a Boom one time. We gave away uh, Dr. Boom one time that you could print out and play in the rules. But some of them are folklore games is what we call them. I like the concept label. That's even better. So if you subscribe to our newsletter, the most recent one we gave away was Three Thirds of a Ghost, a game I played with my family. And for the life of me, I can't find where it came from. And I asked my father, where'd you learn this from? And he said, my father, I'm like, where'd he learn it from? He's like, I don't know. Leave me alone. So I don't know. But I brought it back from the old country. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Did either of you guys or either of you guys subscribers or watch the video on three thirds of a ghost? I watched the I mind meld one, but no, I haven't. I haven't caught your latest one. We could totally play it on a podcast because it's a concept game, which we can't market whatsoever and make profit <laughs> off of. But it's pretty simple. Uh, I think if they could do small, there's got to be a way to make profit on just you a make, concept. You make money on everything. You're just not trying hard enough. Yeah. But, yeah. but but there's uh, no copyright law, so you know, as soon as you come up with it, someone's gonna, gonna yeah. copy it. Yeah. I personally yeah. cannot wait to make two rooms in a Zoom. That's gonna be a big hit for me. Dude, there is already two rooms in a bang where you take a bang game and you play two rooms in a boom with it. So if you have, if you own the game Bang, there's an actual board game geek page for two rooms in a bang, and it tells you how you play two rooms in a boom with your box of bang cards. I mean, so it's, it's like, you, can look, to see that. you can look at a game like Monikers and it's just fishbowl, like stylized. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's why I play like Monikers Against Humanity. We just played Monikers Against Humanity this last Tuesday. I prefer Monikers because it makes me feel smarter. It's a little bit wittier, but I do like the variety. Sometimes we go back because otherwise our cards against humanity cards are just a paperweight. <laughs> well, here's the thing about like a um, concept game, though. People like stuff. For instance, Codenames, you don't really need much for that game, right? I mean, you could absolutely make your own game out of a couple index cards, but people like stuff. So to have, you can come up with these concept games. You just need to, to market cool stuff to go with them, yep. right? So, so yep. during this concept game, you have to wear the zany pair of glasses. It's part of the game. Listen <laughs> to us trying to make money in the board game industry. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious right there. <laughs> well, actually, though, I mean, right now, big companies have realized that there's money to be made in the board game company and the board game business, and they are gobbling up these smaller companies left and right. Hasbro's so, freaking out. Hasbro has open competitions for people to submit their games because they realize, uh-oh, this, this hobby game market is booming. We got to tap into that so we don't lose our foothold. Well, it's funny, like, every time I go to, like, Walmart or Target and I see, like, King of Tokyo or Machi Koro on the shelf, I'm just like, like, these games have finally, like, made it. Like, they're sitting... You made it. Like, they're sitting next to Monopoly and they're sitting next to Sorry, and, like, that that is super important. It is. It's pretty awesome. Right, and when, when they start publishing numbers where the price points really start coming down, then you're going to see some real penetration into the into public domain, like, you know, into, into non-game players, right? Because still, 
$20 for a board game is a lot of money for the average person. They're like, I'm not spending $20 on a board game. I can buy Monopoly for $6. (laughs) (laughs) This one's 20 and the box is smaller. I'm not buying that. But when they start publishing these really big numbers, uh, then I think you're going to see it's just going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. But you also see less games, too, right? Because as these smaller companies start going under or get bought out, the larger companies are going to put their weight behind games that are going to make the most profit. And, and you're going to see less of a shotgun approach and more of a, more of a sniper bullet approach, I think, to, to well, which games they, they publish. So this is my prediction. We talk about guns a lot. So less, less micro games for everyone. That's yeah. right. Well, there'll still be someone saying, I can make a game out of my head. Concept <laughs> game. <laughs> yeah, that's great, kid. <laughs> Go back to your day job teaching. <laughs> Topic accomplished. Well, well, let, let's, let's wrap things up. We've been gone for about 40 minutes. We're Damn real it. good at staying on, on time here. Oh, I'll totally like derail you. I'm gonna derail you left and right. No, I should totally let good. Chessbeard go. He's just all pissed, and I just I'm like, calm down, Chessbeard. Maybe I should let him. I don't know. I think what we need to do is just keep Sean off and have Stephen back for another episode. Boom! Stephen, where can where can our listeners find you? And uh, if you want to pimp your games one more time, I would I would love that. Okay. Uh... I have a web page that I never update, but you can go check it out because I'll update it soon at um, steveaverygames.com and then Facebook, Steve Avery Games, and um, on Twitter a lot too, so at Steve Avery. But um, this year I have Tada coming out, and I'm guessing that by next year, early next year, Rubber Banditos should come out. Um, it sounds like there's... They're making noises about maybe making a third printing of nothing personal too. So that might, you know, that that's got more staying power than I thought it would. And Tada will be at Gen Con, correct? Yes. Tada will be at Gen Con. And there's all just like everybody else in the game industry. I've got a bunch of irons in the fire, but you never know which ones are going to make, you know, they always, there's always (laughs) so many little hurdles you have to get through to finally get to the shelf. Right. So, We'll see. Oh, actually, um, Action Phase Games has got a game of mine that they're going to be. It's a dice game, but they just told me they're retheming it to superheroes. So I don't know what the new name was. It was originally a a Japanese um, mythology fighting game, but they're going to go superheroes because that was their big game. Um, uh, here was it Heroes Unlimited. What was the name of their big game? Does anybody remember? I have no idea what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, Alan's Alan's the expert here, and if he doesn't know. All right. Well, anyways, um, so that's kind of going to be out 2017, also. But um, sorry, I didn't mean to deflate just come your awesome round. Right? <laughs> yeah. Well, hopefully we. I'll can... buy to die. Well, hopefully, yeah, that sounds that sounds great. Uh, party games go over well with my group. Uh, Alan, where can our listeners find you? They probably know already, but just in case. No problem. Uh, you can find me on the tweets at Alan Gerding. That's A L A N G E R. Ding, D-I-N-G. I'm on Facebook. I accept any friend request because I'm hella lonely. I'm also on Kickstarter right now with World Championship Russian Roulette. So if you become a backer, I'll respond to any message or comment that you send. Almost any, I should say. I'm also on Overwatch on Battle.net as Alan, A-L-A-N, number 
11775. So if you want to play some Overwatch with me, let's do this. <laughs> Great. Cool. You can hey, we haven't talked about uh Russian roulette. We can't we can't end this the the, the episode oh, I'll, our, I'll, our last episode was dedicated to world championship well, you have to at least tell them that it made funding and it's you know where you're it's, at it's awesome we just hit our next stretch goal onto the next stretch goal it's pretty awesome so we're really excited yeah i'm sure if you listen to this you've probably backed it so if you haven't let us know why how if they want to tell us why they haven't backed world championship russian roulette how do they get in contact with us as a company, SBJ, or a podcast? That's going to be podcast at Tuesday Night Games. And uh, if you want to follow Tuesday Night Games on Twitter, it is PlayTKG. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, it is at DraggingALake. Uh, otherwise, thank you guys for being on. This episode is... Finished! <laughs> <laughs>